is dead. Okay? He's dead. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. Ditto. Tell her ditto. That was ditto. Ditto. Hello, hello. I'm Katie, and welcome to Retromade, your pop culture rewind. Let's take another trip down memory lane. Today, we travel back to July of 1990 to discuss one of Patrick Swayze's biggest hits, just in time for spooky season, Ghost. I'm excited to have Chad Robinson and Lizzie Haynes from the Retro Movie Roundtable podcast joining me today. The Retro Movie Roundtable is great at deep dives into movies of all kinds of genres and varying time periods. And I was lucky enough to join them to discuss Mystic Pizza. So you guys will have to check that out. Chad, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining me. Tell us more about you and your show. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Yes. Um, so Retro Movie Roundtable, like you said, you said it perfectly. It's a movie podcast that explores movies of all different genres. Uh, the only contingency is it has to be at least 10 years old. And oh. I'm the rookie of the group. Uh, Chad is one of the OGs. Uh, so yeah, he can he can jump in and probably fill in any blanks that I'm missing. Yeah, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary, so we got started in October of 2018, and it, it's been great. Like Lizzie said, we brought her on sometime last year. She's been wonderful. Yeah, she's a fellow horror fan, so she and I get paired up quite a bit, and that's always great. That's my favorite genre. I'm up here in Pittsburgh with our founder, Russell Guest. The Russell is the, he's the man for this. He's the one. He probably reached out to Katie. Mm -hmm. He'll be reaching out to other people. I know he's hooked up with other people from from your network as well. Okay. We had a great guest for Gladiator, so that was fun. Yes, Ryan. So Ryan, he's kind of our our boss man, so to speak, of the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. And so I join him on the Rocky show, but he has all sorts of shows and he's developed a whole network of Action Hero podcasts. And so, yeah, I loved the Gladiator episode. Oh, great. Ryan. Well, horror season, that's perfect for you guys then. We're in October now. So that's great. Yeah. Oh, it's the best time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And congratulations on the five year anniversary. That's a Thank big you. deal. Thank that you. in pot like I feel like a lot of people start and don't don't make it five years. So that's fantastic. Shall we get into the retro frame of mind by opening the time capsule from July of 1990? Yes. Let's do it. I got to say, from a TV standpoint, it's a stellar lineup. I mean, I almost don't know where to start. So the top shows in terms of Nielsen ratings from the 89 to 90 season, we have, I mean, I, The Cosby Show, Roseanne, Cheers. A Different World, The Golden Girls, The Wonder Years, Empty Nest, and Who's the Boss? I mean, those are all really good. Did you guys watch those? I know you guys are, well, I know Lizzie, you're for sure definitely younger than me, and Chad, you're probably younger than me too, but still, syndication, <laughs> all of those things. Yes, I'm probably the baby of the group. I was an ADA baby, so okay. I definitely wasn't watching any of those shows when they first arrived. But I think what's so great, particularly about all of the shows that you just mentioned, 
is with the exception of a couple, like they've really stood the test of time. Like the Golden Girls is the one, Golden Girls and Cheers are the ones that really stand out to me. And as an adult, I've developed an affinity for them, especially Mm -hmm. Golden Girls, like Betty White. Love Betty White. I'm so glad. I'm so, I just need more women to come on the show because (laughs) it really is. It's such a fantastic show and obviously cheers but i mean in the cosby show is too roseanne i mean all of these i watch roseanne in syndication um who's the boss with tony maselli uh the wonder years is one that hasn't come up before and it has a very to me like the theme song it it gives sort of like cheers with the theme song it gives me this homesick feeling and like time times of yonder that's both lovely but also I'm, i get sort of homesick at the same time it's odd does anybody else have this phenomenon happen what would you do if i sang out of tune would you stand up and walk out on me oh yeah yeah that joe cocker theme just takes you back to childhood you just picture simpler times yeah. in life i i miss it I wasn't allowed to watch. I, I was six, so I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of these shows, particularly Roseanne. My parents kind of had it in for Roseanne, so oh. I caught up <laughs> later. Cheers was a big one, though. That was a big hit for us. America's Funniest Home Videos was a big thing at this yes. point in time, too. My family actually sent in a tape to America's Funniest Home Video. We didn't get chosen. What was what, what, we, what was the tape? Do you remember? So it's, it, yeah, it's. This is fun. This is nice and embarrassing. So it's my sister and I in the bathtub when we were little tiny kids. And I get this weird face and my parents say, what's wrong? And my sister chimes in. She is, I pee peed in the bathtub. Oh, and my so goodness. My, parent, my parents sent this in. It, it got rejected. But we have this lovely letter from the producers. Was uh, Danny Tanner was saying, um, what's his Yeah, role? Bob Saget Bob himself. Saget. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, cool. and Dave Cloyer was, he was competing. He had the other one that was, it was sort of close oh. to the same title. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, they both had home video okay. segments. He had a, a jackalope sketch. Okay. Well, so the, the, so there's also some really notable finales and premieres from 1990. Since these are a little older, I mean, I, I was in 19, I was nine. So, but also a lot of these were way before my time. I'm just a very old soul. Lots of syndication watching. But do you guys recall any of, so these ended in 1992, 227. Alf? Yeah, I thought maybe. That that is a messed up finale (laughs) of Alf. I don't actually remember the finale, but. The government wins. Really? Oh, no. Yes. They take him away to a facility. Aww. Really? Oh, that, that is sad. There's a lot of those dark childhood ones, like Dinosaurs Ends by the Entire World being wiped out. The finale. I no liked way. that way. too, but I didn't realize that was the finale of that. Yeah. Wow. No, no shiny happy ending for the 90s. It's a different time. Yeah. <laughs> Just the 10 of us. It's a little less known, but oh, I loved it. It was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, I've heard I of have. Growing Pains, but not not of the spinoff. So right. listeners, please tell me you guys watched Just the Ten of Us. It was so good. So Coach Lubbock from Growing Pains, That's so that's the spinoff. He moves, he, so that's in like Long Island, I think. But the spinoff is that he and his family moved to California 
And he works for this all-girls Catholic school. And they're very Catholic. There's 10 of them. So the him and his wife and then eight kids. And largely around, there's four teenage daughters. And it's a fun time. They have like a singing group. But, uh, you know, they're not supposed to date. But some of the girls are real boy crazy. And it's a lot of fun. Please, somebody tell me that you loved just the 10 of us. Also, Remote Control was that MTV game show. It ended in 90. New Heart, Mr. Belvedere. Any Mr. Belvedere? I watched that. Yes. Yeah. My Two Dads. I'm sure you've heard of it at least. Mm-hmm. Falcon Crest, which I've never seen, but it was one of those really long running nightly soap operas. And then My- uh, Miami Vice, Charles in Charge. Yes. Loved Charles in Charge. And yes. Mama's Family, that seems very early 80s, but I like all of the, so a lot of the people from the Golden Girls are on Mama's Family. It's kind of a core group of actresses in the How same nice. shows. Yeah. So those ended, but then new shows that started in 90, you, you guys might have heard of these. Twin Peaks, which yes, had yeah. a, yeah. And then The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Of course. Yes. Oh, wow. Right? Oh, that was, I loved that. It's still Bever- a cultural staple for sure. It is. I think we actually just talked about it in my last episode. We did the thing. And my guest, one of his favorite like rap group was DJ Jesse Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Parents Just Don't Understand was one of their songs. And that ended up being the theme song, right? Of Fresh Prince or parts of it. I think maybe part i know that it's like the like from north philadelphia born yeah. and raised yeah, i don't know if that, i don't know if that's <laughs> west philadelphia west philadelphia, Lizzie, west philadelphia sorry <laughs> yes yes west it is yes. west philadelphia yeah yeah um, you're living with your auntie and your uncle in bel-air yeah that was, we went to a piano bar for my birthday last month and it was people they were playing all different genres and someone requested that and they played it it was hilarious it just <laughs> That oh, good request, whoever yes. did that. Yeah. It was that... fun, like the whole crowd, because it was filled with all different ages. But that is one of those shows that kind of bonds people. It just it's, It managed to stand the test of time, for sure. It did. Uh, also, Northern Exposure. I'm vaguely familiar with that. And then a tiny little show called Beverly Hills 90210. Started in 1990. Oh my gosh, those kids. They were like 30 playing teenagers, but still. Yes. <laughs> Loved that. Tori Smelling and Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh my goodness. That was so I watched a couple of episodes of 90210, but I wasn't a diehard, but I do credit 90210 for all of the other shows to follow it. It's yeah. like they pioneered the Good teenage call. drama. And I, so I, I tip my hat to them. Aaron Spelling, they had, it was so big. I I feel like I was in maybe like fourth or fifth grade. And people had like the bedspreads. There was act, there was dolls. So we, it was like, are you you team Brandon or team Dylan? And there was the dolls. It it was just, it was a whole phenomenon, 90210. Cartoons, are you guys cartoon kids? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The big ones? The, you guys all have to tell me what you were watching, but in 90, it was Garfield and Friends, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Slimer and the Real <laughs> Ghostbusters, and Beetlejuice. I don't really remember watching Beetlejuice as a cartoon, but those were some of the big ones in 1990. I was a that Beetlejuice. That was my kid. introduction. 
I saw that before the live action movie. You did? So that was my and, introduction. Uh, it's oh. wildly different going to the live action from the cartoon. There's they're different characters. And uh, were you a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles guy? Oh, of course. I'm looking for. Do you have action figures? Where's... I I do. I've got my little 3D printed Leonardo. So. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I big fan. Then there was some midday programming. So those were more in the morning. We have WWF wrestling. New Kids on the Block must have had a cartoon. I I feel like everything had a cartoon. Bill and Ted's MC Hammer did. Yeah, yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures must have been a short-lived cartoon, Bugs Bunny show. And then this was the last year for Pee-Wee's Playhouse. Oh, wow. I was never a peewee kid. He always kind of freaked me out. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I I did watch it, but I did. I was like, there's a little, I'm not sure. This is weird. Yes, it's but, the laugh. Yeah. Like the ha ha. Like it's just yeah. like too much for, I don't know, this always rubbed me the wrong way. Like, <laughs> oh, you just broke Russell's heart. <laughs> I'm sure he loves the, the what, what's his movie that he made that. Big, big adventure. adventure. Yes, this big adventure. Yeah, everybody yeah. quote. It's a, apparently a very quotable movie. Never seen it. It's just. I feel like I probably saw it when it came out, but never again. So I yes. recall very little of it. Was there anything else that we didn't cover that you guys were really into watching as kids? Man, when did Ren and Stimpy come out? To me, I feel like that's. I know some of the other shows that I really love came out more like mid 90s. Mm-hmm. But in terms of early 90s, I remember Ren and Stimpy being something that felt a little older. Maybe it was just yep. the quality of the animation. No, I think you're right. I, I feel like it did come out in the early 90s. And that was sort of when Nickelodeon was becoming yes. a thing and all of those those shows. And then Nick at Night. I remember watching. I was introduced to a lot of the Nick at Night shows as a kid in the early 90s or mid 90s, watching the shows from like the 50s and 60s and 70s. So. Thank you, Ned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bewitched, things like that. Mm -hmm. I I love Lucy. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I looked this up, and I may be getting the the year wrong, but Captain Planet, I read, was 1990. (gasps) No way. Okay. I loved him. That was a big one for me. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Captain Planet. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I forgot all about him. I watched so many of those cartoons because of my brother. I loved that. The poor guy with the monkey at the end. He's like, heart. Come on. Everybody else gets a cool element. You get heart. This is one I'm not familiar with. What Was it on Nickelodeon? What was it on? I think it was a Turner network, like TBS. Maybe I am. I I will have to look it up because for some reason it's not ringing a bell. But It, It was literally a campaign to just reduce pollution and teach kids that everyone was... The villains were like oil barons or something, and they would just twirl mustaches and throw okay. oil into the rivers. Now, this is and totally so, up my alley because I'm such a big, big environmental person, you know? So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to check this out. I guarantee you it doesn't hold up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, not very much does. It was great. Shall we move on to the top 10 music billboards from yes it's so it's the literally these were the top 10 in the week that ghost came out july 13th 1990 the number one song is step by step new kids on the block 
Oddly enough, I was not. Yes. I love that song so much. Do you? Were you into New Kids? Because you were pretty little, but. Yes, that's something that came after for sure. I Uh mean, I I think I fell in love with Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and all of the things. Yeah, they came first, but then just like nine hundred two went out, like New Kids paved the way. I just True. found them later in life. Yeah, okay, I like it. Now, she ain't worth it. Feet. It's by Glenn Medeiros. I'm not mm. sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. Featuring Bobby Brown is the number two song. Okay. En Vogue, Hold On is number three. Yes, that's a good one. Yes, and all in vogue. It's so very 90s. I'll Be Your Shelter by Taylor Dane. The number five song is like one of my favorite videos. I remember watching it as a kid. Cradle of Love by Billy Idol. Anybody? Anybody? I oh, yeah. Loved, I think that was one, probably my favorite Billy Idol song. So this is the most <laughs> 90s sentence I can ma- make, but I remember roller skating at the roller <laughs> rink to cradle of love yeah so. yeah yeah it's it's pretty 80s as well but yeah that's oh it's so good and then the song from pretty woman it must have been love by roxette is number it's a great six song yeah pretty woman yeah. also came out in 1990 yeah we one, need to do that oh my, my god it's so it's, good it is actually one of the things that ghost did and pretty woman since they both came out in 1990, there's talk that those two movies being so big, doing so well, kind of paved the way for what would come in the, all. I feel like the 90s vomited romantic movies. Yes. And so I think we can yes. thank Ghost and Pretty Woman for that. Yeah. Here's Meg Ryan in everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. <there's> <laughs> oh, they did such a great job. That movie mm-hmm. was, Pretty Woman was perfect because yeah. the, the villain was great. You know, you're... Jason Alexander was like perfectly slimy and mm-hmm. Richard Gere was so charming and everybody you either just loved Julia Roberts just because you loved her or you like quite literally wanted to be the pretty woman like minus the yeah yeah the, <laughs> well, when the you're, hooking I minus remember, occupation but <laughs> I didn't really get it you know I didn't really know when I was you know when I was a kid watching it but uh-huh. yeah Actually, and we talked about Chad and Lizzie and I talked about in our Mystic Pizza episode how Mystic Pizza and her being so wonderful in that kind of allowed her to become the Vivian in Pretty Woman. So there we go. The hair. Oh, yeah. And she just, she's great. Let's see. Rub You the Right Way by Johnny Gill is the number seven song. I love that song growing up and or... As a kid, yeah. but I had no idea what they not. were saying. Yeah, that happens <laughs> so. a lot and stuff. Were you singing along and your parents were like, what's what's going on over here? I didn't even know it was called Rub You the Right Way. Like I, somehow I never caught those lyrics, mm-hmm. but just the sound and everything. Yeah. I'm sure my parents were thrilled. So we've got two of the, what band were they in? Like Bobby Brown and Johnny Gill. I'm, my brain is, they were both in New Edition. Took me a minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're ah, both yes. okay. separately in the top 10 in 1990. Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode was number eight. Number nine is The Power by Snap with an exclamation. This might not sound familiar. It didn't to me anyway. Do you know what it is, Chad? No. 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 Drawing a blank. It is that. <laughs> I've got the power. Dun, 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 oh, dun, yes. Dun, 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 oh. Yes. That, it, so like techno rap 
very much permeated the early 90s. And this was it's like the epitomizes it, I feel like. It's a great oh song. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's what that song is. And then Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. That was yeah. so good. Such a good song. <laughs> so good. That it was like children bitch. singing it. But, or no, that's Aisha. I'm thinking of Aisha. I get those two confused, but it's like a clearly a child that's singing it, but it's also good. It kind of sounds like the, it sounds like a little boy at some mm-hmm. point when he's like, she's jabbing me. Yeah. Like it's yeah. very yeah. young. Very young well, they man. were. They probably were. <laughs> I okay. There's some news and events that we should maybe cover from July of 1990. Some big ones, actually. So this was like shortly after the Berlin Wall fell. So there's quite a bit that has to do with that. I don't know what month wasn't that in '89. Sometimes no, Germany was reunified in '90, but it might have been '89 for the the wa- yeah, wall. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so to your point, great setup, Chad, because the German Democratic Republic accepts the Deutschmark as its currency in July of 1990. The first three tenors concert featuring Placido Domingo, Jose Carreras, and Luciano Pavarotti at Baths of Caracalla, Caracalla, I'm so sorry for my mispronunciation, in Rome. That recording becomes the world's best-selling classical record. And I didn't know that it was only in 1990. I thought they went way, way back. But the, th- the oh. first concert, 1990. I got to check that out. Fun little tidbit. I was in Paris in like in high school. I feel like this was 98. And when we were doing our Eiffel Tower tour, we were there in the evening. It just so happened that I don't think it was all three of them. I think it might have just been Domingo was having a concert on the lawn below. It just so happened. That's amazing. So, yeah. Boris Yeltsin, the Russian president, quits the Soviet Communist Party. And Ukraine declares independence, which so sad because 32 years later, was it in 22 that Russia invaded them again? There was a baseball record set in July of 1990. The New York Yankee Deion Sanders hits an inside park homer. That must be really hard to do, having an inside the park homer. Also, Deion Sanders, I had completely forgotten that he also played baseball because he's, I know him as a football player. Yeah, he played both. Yeah, I feel like there was a few people who did that back in the day. Michael Jordan. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson did too. Yep. Okay, geez. Um, He is actually the head coach of the Boulder CU Buffaloes college football team. Here. Yep, Colorado. He's in the news a lot right now. Yes, Coach Pride. He certainly is. Pink Floyd's The Wall is performed where the Berlin Wall once stood. The charity it was a charity concert led by Roger Waters with guests such as, you know, just little little names like Cindy Lauper, Joni Mitchell, The Scorpions, Sinead O'Connor, Brian Adams, and Van Morrison. And it was actually just the anniversary of Sinead O'Connor's SNL performance where she ripped the photo of the Pope in protest of abuse at the hands of the church. So, yeah, lots of Berlin Wall associations in this month. And then um, your family not liking Roseanne Farr. 
she she notoriously sings the national anthem that oh, horrendous terrible. national anthem that's at the so <laughs> Cincinnati Reds San Diego Padres game luckily she's done some not luckily but she has done some things that are even more embarrassing to kind of cover up that that stain she's made some bigger stains yeah yeah pretty recently yeah, yeah she's she's gotten yeah. herself into enough trouble that people probably aren't googling that anymore but yeah. for the people that have seen it it lives rent free <laughs> yeah you, you cannot blame ambien for that <laughs> is that what she did i don't even remember yeah i remember yeah, she... being in the national Enquirer. i remember seeing that at the grocery store checkout i was yeah. surprised by this one so george hw bush signs the americans with disabilities act that was only in 1990 isn't that surprising? It is, yes. It's wild to think that that was only 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so Ghost was the number three movie uh, at this time, but some other big movie releases. We have Die Hard 2, Days of Thunder, Dick Tracy, and the re-release of The Jungle Book, and then right up y'all's alley, Arachnophobia. Ooh, great movie. Oh. Yes. And Total Recall. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent year. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good lineup. Okay, so before we get into the movie, I have a few questions for you guys. As you may or may not be aware, this season of Retromade is built around who I deem everyman, our ultimate everyman, Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze. Do you have any thoughts or fandom about either of them that you would like to share? Yes, absolutely. I'll start with Kurt Russell, because I feel like I have a little bit more passion for Patrick Swayze, so I'll start uh, with Kurt Russell. But I, the main movie that I recall that I associate with him is Tombstone. I just think that his performance in Tombstone is just so fantastic, and I just love him. Like I think he's got, he's he's got the X factor for sure. But that, I feel like my catalog of Kurt Russell movies isn't nearly as big as my catalog of Patrick Swayze movies. And I think as a young woman, I would be so remiss to not mention Dirty Dancing. Because to me, that movie, that was like, that was a core memory for me when I first saw that movie. As a matter of fact, in my freshman year of high school, in our, I was in show choir and we had this showcase that we like all the freshmen would do for the upperclassmen and just basically almost like a talent show for everybody and i <laughs> tried to do the time of my life dance oh my and, god um, did not do the lift because okay. it was just it didn't work <laughs> out but i patrick swayze was always just like you said it perfectly like the every man like i just i remember crushing out on him so hard when mm -hmm. i was a little girl and like dirty dancing is just like the tip of the iceberg i mean i just i love him so much and like i have a more appreciation for him as an adult watching like more like of his actual movies where he really has to display his chops mm -hmm. you know his woody woody allen or, yes his woody allen movies and then ghost for me was like a huge like a movie for me is too as a kid this was probably okay. one of the first movies i remember watching that scared me actually oh really okay yes not that was probably more age appropriate to scare yeah, me to yeah. be fair i think i think chad i've shared with you like the first movie that like cut me to my core and like really really scared me but this was something that i want to say maybe i was nine or ten when i saw for the first time and those 
those little bad guys that come get you and take you to the bad place. They really freaked me out. That's <laughs> a kid. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. It is unique in that way. Like the combination of genres is very different. Yes. I just, oh, I love him so much. And even in like weird, obscure movies like Donnie Darko, like I mm -hmm. think he's, he's great in those movies too. I just, I love him. I think he's just fantastic. He brings it in any role. Yeah, I agree. I love him as well. Chad, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. yeah, I had kind of the opposite experience of Lizzie. I'm far more into Kurt Russell, like his movies. We covered Big Trouble in Little China. That was something I saw Love it. very, very early. I was a big Mortal Kombat fan, and it inspired a lot of the characters from that. I liked Overboard. Yeah, I was one of, so good. One of the, yeah, you guys covered that. That one is fantastic. Uh, big fan of Goldie Hawn. Mm -hmm. So that... That was an early experience. Patrick Swayze, I think I avoided because it was a girly thing. All the women love Patrick mm -hmm. Swayze. So I came to his movies later. I saw Roadhouse, loved that. Oh, it's so good. Male movie. I love it. But, I, it's it's my second favorite. Yeah. I, I was. So we get shortlists for a retro movie roundtable. And it was Russell's pick. And Dirty Dancing came up. And I was begging him. I was like, please give us Dirty Dancing. And I forget what he chose, but I didn't like his choice. And I, I did a little protest three stars for whatever movie it was we did choose. So it'll come back around. Come back on our show, Katie, get this for us. Oh my but gosh. Yeah. I'll, I'll vote. How do, I, how do I vote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Short list of Dirty Dancing, Dirty Dancing, and Dirty, dirty Dancing. Yeah. But yeah, Ghost was, this was my first romantic movie. I'd probably seen romantic comedies. This was the first romantic movie I can remember. So it kind of holds a special okay. place in my heart. I love that we have um, two guests today, one female, one male. And I also, Lizzie, I have had very few women on as guests <laughs> for some reason. Everybody that I know in podcasting is a man. Uh, however, I will say that this totally tracks women tend to resonate more with Patrick and mm -hmm. men tend to more with Kurt. And I think it's the age that we're at as well from a male perspective, because everyone does say they're, I don't want to say turned off, but it's sort of like you said, you, you associate him with, with chick flicks or something because the dirty dancing was so huge, but then he does a lot of action. Like he's very athletic and very talented in martial arts and things like that. So like Roadhouse and Point Break and uh, I don't know why I'm blanking right now. Like some other action movies that he's done. I think men gain his respect after that. So yes. Yeah. But yeah, that seems to track. Now, the most important question of all. Do you guys think that they resemble each other at all? Kurt and Patrick. I guess I never really thought about it, but I could see it. I think for me, I always envision Kurt Russell with a mustache. So for me, it's it's hard. And that must be the tombstone it's part the of tombstone, me. Yeah. It's like the wider. But I feel like yeah. <laughs> I, there was a mean tweet, though, that, uh, you know, like the Jimmy Kimmel, like celebrity mean tweet thing that was mm -hmm. super huge about 10 years ago. Somebody wrote a mean tweet about Kurt Russell. And he had, at the time, like the handlebar mustache and a beard. And so that was just his own look. And he read his tweet. He said, Kurt Russell is made of aged denim. <laughs> that was his, 
his tweet and he just started cracking up laughing. But I feel like in terms of their build and kind of the general structure of their face, like they both have really prominent jaws Mm -hmm. and they both have that kind of sensitive look in their eye that I think I could see it. I really could. I think they could definitely pass for for relatives for sure. Thank you. I needed a woman. Chad, were you going to say no? (laughs) I was going to say yes. I I feel like I can see it in the eyes. Like the hair is distinguishing Patrick Swayze with the longer blonde locks, Mm -hmm. but I can see it in the eyes and the nose. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This is one of the things too that I think is more women see it than not, but I think they very much look alike and I ask everyone. So I'm going to continue to try and get more people that see it. And so thank you guys. I'm I'm glad that you guys can see it. (laughs) All right, listeners, please stay with me on this. I'm not going to give up. All right. Shall we get into ghost? Yes. Let's do it. Release date, July 13th, 1990. This was a PG-13 movie. It's a little over two hours. The IMDb rating is a 7.1, which is pretty good. I think it's, and I did look like it's on par with Pretty Woman and a few other similar type movies. They're all like around seven. The director is a little unusual in that, so it's Jerry Zucker, but he's most known for kind of those, um, screwball comedies like airplane and then uh ruthless people in first night so this is a little different i would say for jerry zucker the writer is bruce joel rubin and he also wrote stuart little two deep deep impact jacob's ladder and the time traveler's wife so wow credits yeah he's a, a weird collection yeah. isn't it right. yes <laughs> So you're like, all right, well, let's see. But the cast. Jacob Ladder, Stuart Little, too. (laughs) Right. Yeah, those are the two that stuck out to me. Very similar. We have our Patrick Swayze playing Sam Wheat. And then our leading lady here is Demi Moore playing Molly Jensen. And I was reading that actually this was the film that turned her into the highest paid actress in Hollywood at the time. See it. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to that, she was well known, but she wasn't like a super bankable star. But because Ghost ended up making a ton of money, then it really made Demi's career. Whoopi Goldberg. A... What's that? <laughs> Got a... What? It's the one tier it... to me. That's yes! like the, that's like her benchmark. It's like her ability to just keep them coming like, at one strike. Because she said she can do it on cue, like she yes. out of yep. either eye. That is, I mean, that is a talent. Absolutely. We have Whoopi Goldberg playing Otome Brown. And she's really well cast. I really liked her character in this. Tony Goldwyn plays the sleazeball Carl Bruner. And you might recognize him also as the president, uh, Fitzgerald Grant, in Scandal. Did you guys <laughs> recognize him? Yes, yes, I actually told, I recorded last night with uh, with Russell for, what movie did, for Miss Congeniality. And oh, we were talking about it and it was the warm-up question of what the last movie you saw was. And I was trying to name everybody and I said, I can't remember the actor's name, but for anybody that ever watched Scandal, he's the president. So I'll leave that in there. Just yeah, 
I went, I went to war for Miss Congeniality. Yay! I'm so happy you that need you to did. see this. I'm so happy that you did. It's a great movie. It's had such you a not great seen it before, Lizzie? Yes. Had you not seen it before? No, I had. That was okay. One of guest had shortlisted it, but that Got was it. something that I like deeply loved. I was so excited for. It is a good one. Um, so so Tony, he's kind of one of those guys. He's in a lot of stuff. He has like a ton of credits. And then Rick Avales, I think I'm pronouncing that right, as Willie Lopez. He was also in Carlito's Way, The Cannonball Run, and Waterworld. And then Phil Leeds. So the other characters are all very small parts. Phil Leeds, he plays the ER, the got the ghost in the ER, which he's a super familiar character actor. And I would say he's most known for Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. He's a, He's one of those people who are like, oh, that guy. I know that guy. Same nice. with the Subway Ghost was also a very familiar character actor. And his name is Vincent Schiavelli. And he was, um, gosh, who did he, he was maybe one of the teachers in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think one of the teachers. And then did you guys recognize a young Stephen Root when you rewatched it? No. no. He played the police sergeant. Oh, really? But he's younger, so it's, yeah. I, I was like, oh, my and God. And he has a stapler? You know, <laughs> well, he might have. But, yeah, so for listeners who Stephen Root uh, played, um, what's his name in Office Space? Mil Milton. Milton, yes, with his Red Swing Lang stapler. He's also in News Radio, so those are two big roles that he's known for. But, yeah, a young Stephen Root in this. Wow. Yes, the music is by a French composer, Maurice Jarre. Again, apologies, I suck at pronunciation. And he's known for his collaborations with the director, David Lean, for, you know, little movies like Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. Wow. Yeah, big time. This movie won several awards. We either won or was nominated for some big awards. So Whoopi Goldberg... One for Best Supporting, both the Oscar and the Golden Globe. The writer, uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, he won the Oscar for Best Screenplay for Ghost. And it was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Editing, and Best Music. I think that's a little surprising that it was up for so many Oscars, to be honest with you. And then Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore were both nominated for Golden Globes for this movie. And it was also up for Best Picture, um, Golden Globe. And then BAFTA, Whoopi also won a BAFTA. Jesus. She became the first actress to win the Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards, BAFTA Awards, and Golden Globe Awards for her role in this film. So she won all three. For she her swept role. it. Wow. Yeah. And I guess she was the first actress to do that. I had the same feelings as you do, Katie, though. This... I don't feel like we nominate these types of movies anymore. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We definitely don't. I totally She didn't agree. suffer enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yes. Uh, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And then there were also nominations for the screenplay, makeup, and visual effects. Uh, BAFTA nominated those. So a lot of uh, award attention, I guess, for Ghost. I don't know why that is surprising to me, but good for Ghost. 
it made a shit ton of money because it made grossed five almost 506 million dollars on a 22 million dollar budget so i would wow. say that's pretty good yeah <laughs> i feel like these i feel like ghost to your point earlier katie it was like a disruptor so that probably has to be the reason why it was nominated for so many things if ghost were a novel it would be put under, I imagine, something like the smut category, you know, where it's like that kind of romantic, like Fabio on the cover kind yeah. of book. And uh, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But those kind of tend to get looked at through a more shallow lens by yep. the general public. And so I think maybe because there weren't so many at that point, it was like a disruptor in the industry and everybody loved it. Now that there's so many, they're looking yeah. for more depth. I guess, but I'm, I'm with Chad. Like now Molly would have had to have gone on some kind of gigantic existential crisis and big journey. And, you know, maybe, maybe it was all in her mind or like something like that mm -hmm. in order for him to be considered for an Oscar now. Yeah. Good point. Okay. So since this movie is like 33 years old, so if you haven't seen this movie or if it's been a while, Sam Wheat is a banker. Molly Jensen is an artist. And the two are madly in love. However, when Sam is murdered by a friend and corrupt business partner, Carl Brunner, over a shady business deal, he is left to roam the earth as a powerless spirit. When he learns of Carl's betrayal, Sam must seek the help of psychic Oda Mae Brown to set things right and protect Molly from Carl and his goons. What are your overall thoughts or and or favorite moments or scenes from Ghost? Just to get kick things off, uh, favorite ones is a, is a tough one. I I love this movie so much. I think as a kid, the scene that stuck out for me the most was the the clay scene because I'd never seen anything like that. So it was kind mm -hmm. of an and so much of that through flew right over my head. But I just thought that the scene in general was was fun and interesting. And I remember my mom really loving it. And oh, we yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> also it's iconic it's like an iconic scene yeah sure. it's like the song and i i as now i'm gonna be totally honest when i watched it now the only thing that i could think of, like oh my gosh your hands are so disgusting i would not be able to dance it's so gross oh, oh my gosh your hands it's too gross and that was my my reaction to it now i for me i love the the love but nothing i mean Oda Mae Brown, Whoopi Goldberg, completely just brings mm -hmm. the movie to a completely new level for me. So Indeed. anything within her, like, I I could name off so many different scenes, but overall, the common denominator is that the banter and the back and forth between Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg is absolute dynamite to mm -hmm. me. Like, everything mm -hmm. from when he's, like, singing... Uh, I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am, versus them at the bank when she's trying to close out the accounts. And even like this sweet little transaction where he gets the penny and gives that over mm -hmm. to her and they're fighting with each other while trying to talk to Molly. I just think that it's, Whoopi Goldberg is special. There's just really no other way to to put it. She sparkles and it's no different in this movie. Really good way to put it, the sparkle. And I got to say, the scene hit me different now, too, when I rewatched it. And I did notice, though, 
that when they're done messing around with the pottery and they go into the living room to have sex, it's great. It's awesome. Like that. I'm like, oh, like Patrick is really good at love scenes. I'll just say like he's yes. really good at love scenes. But they off screen must have washed their hands because they <laughs> did didn't yes. have clay all over them. And I'm sorry, but that would have totally ruined the moment. But also, I don't think I could really me at my age now with their super awesome apartment. I don't think I would be able I I wouldn't be able to relax enough to enjoy it knowing that Clay would be getting all over all of our stuff. Right. I know. It was like really far. Like to me, yeah. I think uh, like up towards like closer to her shoulders. I mean, it was everywhere. And it was like really, I remember I took an art class in high school. That stuff gets like really far under your fingernails. Mm -hmm. So to your point, this wouldn't be like, a, oh, let's just go wash our hands. Like you have to scrub. So that would have really, I think, <laughs> Taken all of the air out of the tires of the moment, probably. No, but I didn't. You go straight to the shower. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's what they should have done. Actually, that would have been way better. That would have. That should we have should have just gone to the shower to clean up, yes. and then that's where they have the love scene. That would have been way better. And Chad, make way more sense. Because, I mean, we all love a shower scene. It's great. Yeah, that would have been made way more sense. Well, it really would It's have. already steamy, so yes. it's right. steam. That's right. What about you, yeah, Chad? Patrick's... What are your thoughts, favorite scenes? Uh, well, Katie, you're rapidly becoming my wife's favorite person because <laughs> she hadn't she hadn't seen Mystic Pizza, and she horror movies are my thing. So whenever we sit down, like, I want to watch a horror movie, and she just says, "If you do that, go upstairs, or I go away. Pick one." And so Mystic Pizza, she hadn't seen. Show that to her, loves it. She hadn't seen Ghost, right. and I was like, okay. Do you want to watch Ghost? It was late, and she doesn't like to directly say, I want to do this. But she's speeding around the bush. Well, if you want to, if you... So I could tell this was something that she wanted to see. And so she gets her romantic movie night with me under the guise of Chad's doing homework. I'll, I might as well be around. So thank you for that. Thank you for our couple of date nights. Oh, sure. <laughs> That's awesome. But, Patrick Swayze has called that scene the sexiest thing he's ever done. He I agree. Like, that went over my head as a kid because I'm just thinking, this is this is gross. This is disgusting. But I think part of that is them getting dirty in it together mm -hmm. and just not caring, just the passion, carrying them away from everything else that's gross and on their hands. That That's fantastic. But I work for a bank. I do coding for it. So Whoopi going into the bank scene is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. There's a ton of personal information. He can't just be like, hey, this client just withdrew $4 million. That's her name. You can't do that. <laughs> but it's so funny watching her fumble her way through that. And just the conversation. I'd forgotten that she couldn't see Sam. It'd been a long time. So her being turned the wrong way and just... I'm marveling at the fact they managed to not get a single shot of anyone looking at Patrick Swayze. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm watching people through this movie and thinking, I mean, Patrick Swayze's a handsome man. I, I'm yeah. looking. I, like, good point. You, that's distracting. Good, that's so a really good not point. A, not a soul is looking at the most attractive man they'll probably run into of the year. And it's, that's impressive in and of itself. That is a good point. And she talks to him. The rest of the 
cast does a really good job of looking at her like she's crazy. Like, what was with this lady? You know, that bank scene, that was one of my favorite scenes where they go. It's like. This is 1990, so it's none of this is electronic. They have to go get a physical yeah. signature card so she can be added as Rita Miller. So she yes. pretends to be Rita Miller. She's got a fake ID. And then they say something like, oh, you're going to need to call and take that upstairs immediately so that in the 10 minutes it takes them to get upstairs, they can now close the account. But I loved her outfit in that scene, too. Yes. The hat. It was fantastic. She's like going to the derby or something. Yeah, like a bright, yes. ritzy. Yes. Yeah. Skirt suit. Yes, that was great. Also, my immediate. Well, you guys being horror fans, I did take note of the opening credits, the music that they were playing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So were they were they trying to kind of fake us out a little bit? Because it's this really ominous kind of spooky music as we're panning through like seemingly an abandoned place and then it's like a fake out because it's them doing construction on their new apartment like immediate comic relief like what did you guys think about that scene yeah it's like this a desire to to set the tone for what could be but ultimately i mean because there are some there are some scary elements to this movie but mm -hmm. ultimately this is a drama this is not a a a thriller mm -hmm. or a scary movie but i do agree that it felt like they were trying to psych you out a little bit or at mm -hmm. least to get your blood pumping and yeah. to possibly not know what to expect yeah it almost had that scream type grunge tint to that mm -hmm. opening credit so yeah i haven't seen this movie in 20 plus years Same. so i had the initial thought of oh no is this much darker than I remember? I don't remember it being that dark, although there are some gnarly kills. Yeah. You, Carl, Carl Bruner getting that, he was defenestrated. He had the window right through his chest. That's impressive. Pretty brutal. The, the getting dragged to hell. I mean, Sam Raimi did it better and dragged me to hell, but he's a little, different, little different. demon. Yeah. 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 There's sounds though. They make that kind of sound. Yeah. It really, as a kid, I remember that really freaked me out. And looking at it back now, it's the animation of it. And I mean, there's definitely some some cynicism there, just having seen so many special effects now. But they're definitely cartoony in the fact that that's not scary. But the sounds that they make are very frightening. I mean, they're freaky for sure it's it was enough to scare me as a kid it's a baby crying and it's mm -hmm. uh reversed and then it's slowed down no so way. that's why it's so unsettling yeah oh my goodness that makes complete sense that almost like even adds to like understanding what it is because there's like some you know like weird nuance as to why that could be extra creepy being a demon that's very creepy baby demons <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> Always more terrifying. <laughs> yeah, the special effects. I mean, again, it's 1990, but I think they did a really good job. Of yeah. The, yeah, the special effects were pretty, pretty good. I immediately took note of Patrick Swayze's hair in this. It's short and it's like lighter in color. It's like more blonde than brown and it's perfectly coiffed. You know, I, I don't know yes. if you guys notice his hair. Yes. He's kind of known for his hair, but. Absolutely. He's got the perfect home. Over and in Dirty Dancing, it was fluffier because I think mm -hmm. that 
of the, the times and they yeah. wanted it to be more in the 60s so it went more with that kind of James Deany yep big hair this was way more tame but he still i mean he he had oh my gosh he just he had some great lettuce lettuce he, yeah. well he was just coming <laughs> off of roadhouse and he had that exceptional mullet in roadhouse so it was uh, kind of a but he can pull change. it off though he yeah can pull oh it's it i hate a mullet but <laughs> But I do like Patrick Swayze's hair in it. But yeah, it was just like a very stark difference. And then I was just talking on the last episode because there's a dog. The opening scene has a dog in the thing. And I was talking Mm -hmm. about how anytime there's a pet in a movie, I'm like, "Mm -mm, I don't like it. Something's going to happen to that dog or that cat. And I'm wrong. This is the one example that... Because it's odd that we're shown the cat. So there's a cat. We're sh- and so I had forgotten. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. And so I'm like, shit, does something happen to this cat? But no, the cat does play a part in the movie, though. Yes. So. Kind of saves Molly somewhat, yeah. Yeah. I'd say. And the, then, uh, yeah. The extra senses of pets. Yeah. Doug, does the dog die.com. Very important website to check oh, out. Oh, and before it, you it watch tells the movie. you. <laughs> yes. Yes, because one of our other hosts, he has a rule. He's like, if an animal dies, particularly a dog, in the movie, I'm giving it a zero. I may not even show up. So we we have to scan that. But yeah. It's rough. I I do love, I love the mythology of the cats having that extra sensory Mm -hmm. and and scratching the guy's face or even being able to sense Sam. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, that was cool. It's very cool. What would you guys think of the apartment? I mean, the apartment is... I mean, I have to, I have to be completely honest. I, I love the apartment. I think the apartment's absolutely gorgeous. But my, I was felt like such a cynic because my first initial thought was like, what is this abandoned building in the middle of New York City that you're building? And it's huge. It's so big. And I'm, it's like that same kind of concept in Friends, where you're like, Monica was a chef. There's no way she was ever going to be able to afford an apartment. Right. But I. And but in terms of the aesthetic of the apartment, I love the and this was something that stuck out to me as a kid, too, is in her front door. She has these like glass kind of like meshy glass windows that just meet right up to her door. Mm-hmm. There's many scenes where they highlight that that's the backdrop of like a conversation she might be having. Um, and then I love the steps. I mean, I'd, they would oh, never the be able steps. to raise children with those steps. I'm telling you what, but I, but I do really, really love the floating staircase. Yeah. It's the house hunters meme of, I'm a Sunday school teacher and my wife hangs potatoes as art. Thanks. Our budget is, is $3 million. Yes. What, where did this happen? But you know what? It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Literally. Uh, Rachel was. Same. And <laughs> memes on. now about how, whatever city, I, I mean, everywhere it's, I feel like I'm, like a closet under the stairs is like the listing for what a regular person could afford yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I had the, I was sort of like, how much money do bankers make in the 90s? Because she's not, she hasn't made it yet. She's an artist. I'm like, yeah. there's well, no way. It's literally in the middle of New York City. It's in Soho, like a sought after neighborhood. I did see a note like in the trivia that in 2015, so this was quite a while ago still, so who knows what it would be listed at now. It is a 4,300 square foot loft. So it is huge. And the address is 102 Prince Street. 
It was listed for $10 million in 2015. So probably like 15 now, maybe. I don't know. It has three bedrooms, three and a half baths, and a sub-zero refrigerator. So I don't think they would be able to afford that place. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it's a movie. I mean, $4 million if you skim it off. So oh, he, he wasn't a corrupt banker, there, though. That's so. right. That's what his buddy Carl was supposed to be. Speaking of, that was one of the things I was like, Clearly, they were friends, but Carl so easily plots to kill his friend. I mean, we didn't see any attempt to get the code outside of just he learns that Sam changes the code that he needs to launder. Mm -hmm. So Carl's laundering money for assume we assume the mob. And he doesn't have this code anymore that he needs to do that. So he kills Sam like immediately. He goes from, oh, crap, you changed the code. I guess I have to kill you. And they're supposed you know, to be There's friends. some regret, right? Like he tells Willie, you were just supposed to get the wallet. Yes. I was going to say that. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think his intention was for Willie just to mug him. But then things kind of, when Sam fought back, Willie panicked. But I, I think that there, I have to imagine or at least hope that there was some regret there. But at the end of the day, Carl is a desperate man and, and desperate people do really That's horrible true. things in the heat of the moment i mean he's doesn't make him a good guy he's an awful guy but i think um he was probably He'll too worried killed. about getting yeah. whacked by the mob and that is true i did consider that as well but then he immediately makes a move for molly too yes yes it's so, so bad he probably always had a thing for because they yep. were kind of they painted this picture like they were like the three musketeers kind of in this, not not necessarily a throuple in the fact that there was no romantic involvement between the three of them, but that there was this closeness to all three of them. And I think they were trying to set that picture in the very beginning as them demolishing the apartment yeah. to rebuild it. And so I don't know. I think I, I'm sure that there was always an attraction there, but it definitely does highlight his squirminess. Mm -hmm. as to the fact that you would just move in and plus she's like vulnerable and it's she's heartbroken and it just kind of felt like he was completely taking advantage of her and in, in that moment it was felt icky it did all right with the coffee spilled on the shirt and then just casually yes. taking it off like he's gonna seduce her that <laughs> is you my right. <laughs> i mean does that work i mean i well, mean she's grieving i feel like that's i mean that if it was different world different time maybe the the shirtless coffee would work but not in that moment you're like i'm literally mourning the death of the love of my life like what i'm not i'm not a monkey i'm not gonna see that there's muscles in front of me and just <laughs> plus, respond plus, <laughs> plus her her man that died looked really good so i mean unless you're bringing something extra i don't know yeah right. i don't see how where his thought process was going anyway i'm curious what you guys think about the shot when sam we hear a gunshot but we don't see it and then we see Sam running after the robber. He is a ghost. He is dead, though, but he doesn't realize it yet. So was that shot, again, another little, I don't know, what did you guys think about that? Was it heavy-handed or was it just right showing the audience, like giving us that little delay? Like, oh, maybe he didn't die. Oh, he did. He's a ghost. Oh, I loved it. I, I felt like I really loved that they... With every character, they you get to find out 
as they do that mm-hmm. they've died. You know, with Carl, I think we, we kind of we kind of know with Carl because we see the thing fall down. But the running ahead, I remember the first time seeing that. Just the idea that he would have died would have never occurred to me because of the fact that you see him running. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with Willie. You know, you don't actually see the accident. So you see Willie standing there and then he sees his. I think that the idea that they see their body and realize that they're dead and you get mm-hmm. to watch that is um, eerie. And because of that, just really enjoyable to watch. It adds to the entertainment. Yeah, I love the fake out. And because you see Patrick Swayze, Sam running after Willie, you start to wonder because Molly's out of the frame. Yeah. Okay. Did the gunshot go off? Did it go? Did it kill Molly when there was a Japanese remake of this? Yeah. And they switched genders. It was the woman that was the ghost. It was back in your arms again. So I you know that I, I like it. I also like it. I can just see audiences like if somebody hasn't seen it before. It's one of those things that maybe because that's not done as much nowadays in mu- in movies. I don't know. I just wondered as I was watching it if if a brand new audience that saw it might think it was heavy handed. I personally also very much appreciated it. So I'm glad that we're all aligned on that. And I also in the same way, I kind of like the the there's a few they're not really montages, but they're little scenes throughout the movie where he encounters other ghosts. And they teach him tips and tricks on, like, basically how to be a ghost. Oh, the subway ghost yes. is fantastic. Yes. He's so just creepy. He's got such manic energy mm-hmm. that from the beginning of get off my train. And then you get that little subtle, I like that they don't hold your hand, but he breaks the window. Mm-hmm. Wait a how minute. How did you do that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so going back and him remembering and just the rage of, knocking people's papers out of their hands mm-hmm. and all these other objects, whatever's going on. I, I think he almost gets the impression there's a more sinister tone of if you don't resolve whatever's going to happen in this life, you're going to go insane. Like somewhere your mental capacity is going to diminish and you're just going to be this ball of rage. I don't know. I, I like to think of that guy as a somewhat normal guy that couldn't t- resolve whatever it was yeah he said he's and now stuck he's down there st- yeah yeah that's a good way to put it i never actually thought about it like that but that actually makes complete and total sense i love that it's like the wanderers of people who are just never able to finish their business and mm-hmm. i like that yeah now what would patrick swizzy would sam say say the mob kills um his his buddy say the mob kills him does he leave? Is he done? Because he pretty much, it, as soon as his buddy Carl is killed, he gets the bright white light and off he goes. This is goodbye. Well, the mall. his reason for staying, his job, so to speak, is to protect Molly because there's danger. He learns that Willie's going to go back to the apartment and Molly's there. And then he finds out that both Otome and Molly are in danger. So he feels like he needs to protect now Otome, but initially Molly. So protect those two. He did. And then he's free from his ghost sleeping to the white light. Yep. Yes. But before doing so, I really loved the ending because yes, he, there's a moment right before then where they both can hear him and 
feel him. I'm not sure if they're able to see him or not, but he kisses her. He kisses Molly, tells her for the first and only and last, like first and last time that he loves her because he never says, I love you. He has historically said ditto instead. Right. And he also gives like a nice little send off for Otome that her mother would be proud because she does actually have the gift. She's been just like pulling the the wool over people's eyes up until now. But now she has the actual gift. Oh man. I like that she's the charlatan. Mm-hmm. I I had read that they wanted her to be an actual psychic, but it, it's so much funnier when she's conning the Latino family, and she just starts rattling off traditional names. Latino <laughs> yes. names. So she gets to Maria, and Mar- like, oh, Mar- yeah, yeah. That <laughs> sure. He was but handsome. Now she can't turn yeah. it off. She brought the comic relief, and I loved how you pointed out, Lizzie, the the chemistry between Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg, because I I didn't feel like there was a problem with. The chemistry between Demi and Patrick, there wasn't a problem, but I just felt like the chemistry was better with Whoopi than Demi somehow. What did you think about the chemistry with he and Demi? I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, but it wasn't like the most spectacular chemistry with Demi. I I like their chemistry. I think that there's so much going on in the beginning about her feeling. There was some parts that kind of confused me a little bit because she's trying to push him into like really committing like saying i love you you know they have that conversation right before he gets um before he he gets shot and you know he's he she's like you know you never say it i really want you to say Mm -hmm. it and so you can sense that she's really trying to to take that next step with him however just a little bit prior they're talking about marriage and he's like you know you never wanted to talk about it before so it's like i think she's trying to take this step with him like all it's almost like she's trying to just go from crawling to running a little bit with him of being like, let's get married. You don't say I love you enough. Let's go for it. And so I think that I imagine that the purpose of that was to try to maybe somehow set the tone between the the I love you and the ditto kind of like sub storyline between the two of them mm-hmm. of that, even though they live together and they are in love, there's kind of something holding Sam back. Mm-hmm. And he's not able to really fully realize the depth of his love for her until he's at the point of losing her, which then kind of takes him to the final end of the arc where he says, I love you. And it's so passionate. And then yeah. she, you know, responds, ditto, which I just think is like <laughs> ironic and adorable and perfect. And it's just like her way of being able to like, now I see. I I didn't need you to, to tell me how you felt through love. I can just feel it and it just is, it, it's there. And so I, I do, I liked their chemistry, but I can agree with you that it felt like they weren't fully going there possibly for that reason. Because at the end, it's there. Like, yeah, that's true. Throttle. That's a good point. Um, but I think I had mentioned earlier about, about how much I love the dynamic between Whoopi and, and Patrick Swayze. To mm-hmm. me, that's like where the fire really Agreed. is. And yeah. it's so perfect that she was kind of a con artist because it mm-hmm. creates this like confusion and she's trying to learn as we are. And it's just, it's epic. I love it. Yeah. Otome gets the arc where Molly doesn't really, she doesn't have that arc until the very end, like you said, with the ditto. Ooh, you get Otome all these different moments. Sure. 
she's she's just compelled by sheer annoyance at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and she has to go through all these things. I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go cash this check. And then she's <laughs> got to give four million dollars to the nuns. And he's slowly making her a more honest person. And she does. And, yeah. It's a yeah. it's a really great journey because he's such a straight-laced honest person and i yeah I, it's such a fun i do love their dynamic speaking of the nuns though he makes her give the four million dollars to the nuns who have the exact same habit as she will play two years later in sister act wasn't right. that fun yeah didn't you think she sh he should have let her have some of the money <laughs> i was like go i know go like I'll get a separate know. cashier deck yeah like give her something yeah, even if it's just like 50 grand or something yeah. like that, like a small amount. I do appreciate he's like, the there. you cannot have a paper trail. Like you don't want any of this dirty money. But I think it kind of goes back to Chad's point. I, for me, I would have got probably been upset as well, being like, I'm holding a check for $4 million in my hand and you were telling me I have to give the entire thing away. But his response was perfect. He was like, look at it this way. You go to have it. And, uh, and that's, it was kind of amazing because- you have to imagine that that's like the ultimate kind of bummer of being able to see this huge feature for you and then just giving it away and, and one hand off of a piece of paper. But I think this is the right thing to do, though. I, I still kind of stand by it. It would probably would have felt icky to keep it. It would have. I'm just saying like real. It's the perfect way to do it for the movie, for sure. But in real life, it'd be like, can I have a little bit of yeah, this? Right. <laughs> like, right. like a spot, like just a little. Just like maybe like pay off my car. You know, yeah. Just like something about <laughs> Exactly. And you, you can tell just by the bank scene, she hasn't really encountered a lot of money because they say, how do you want this? She says, tens and twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, they're not going to have $4 million of tens and twenties. Well, and we see <laughs> her neighborhood. Like she clearly yes. doesn't live in a ritzy place. So yeah. Yeah. Give her some tens and twenties out of the cash. <laughs> That's right. Cash. Oh, that's hilarious. $3.9 <laughs> I was kind of, okay, I don't know. This is just me being silly, but I was disappointed by Demi's outfits in this movie. Now, I appreciate it because I think it's realistic. That's probably what Molly would wear. If, you know, if this character existed, that's probably what she would wear. But they were all extremely unflattering. And I was hoping for some more awesome 90s fashion. But Odame is the one that kind of shines fashion-wise, I guess. Flashy. I can I can agree. I think Molly, I mean, this is like no shade or anything to anybody who's style like this, but between the hair and the clothes, she was like a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> Just for sure. They were pissed no, I, when they saw her hair cut short, too. Really? Yeah. yeah. I actually think her hair is adorable. It she is has cute. got I was having this conversation with Aaron, like that there are probably she is like the one percent of they can have people that, that can truly pull that off because that requires like I think that very petite bone structure and kind of really petite facial features to Agreed. really not have any hair. And you know the way she like the way it's parted, like she'll run her fingers through her hair a lot, and it has mm -hmm. like the truly the way it's parted is like that of a child's or like a a young boy's, but somehow it works for her. I think. Mm -hmm. She is, Carl refers to her as fantastically gorgeous oh. during the 
the scene, the coffee scene where he takes the mm-hmm. shirt off and he's yeah. hitting on her. He's like, you're fantastically gorgeous. And I would agree. She is fantastically yeah, gorgeous. For sure. But I would have loved, like, even, I don't know, like a crop top or something. Just like something a little bit like more on the feminine side. You know, you don't need to necessarily dress like Otome Brown, but something where it's like the femininity is coming in to kind of juxtapose your very masculine hair. Yeah. 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 She goes on to do striptease like straight after this. So oh, was it? There's, I don't. There's okay. somewhere, somewhere in between striptease and ghosts. Like land in the That's middle, right. you can show a little skin. I'll never argue for putting Demi more in more attractive clothing, but I I think it was just here's an eccentric artist, yeah, and this is what eccentric artists mm-hmm. tend to wear. They're not really concerned yeah, with form fitting nor curve showing off their curves it's just here's overalls and a loose shirt yeah yeah mm-hmm. i i agree that's it works for her character but i was like oh she's got a cute little figure and and she's a beautiful woman and she wears really frumpy clothes but okay right. <laughs> again because i hadn't seen this in so long the scene where at re- like right after the penny levitating scene that that kind of convinces molly to let otome and uh sam in and then Odame, it's really sweet gesture. Sam says like he would give anything to be able to touch Molly again. And so she lets him like take over her body. And it's it's really sweet at first. You know, they like hold hands, he touches her face, they embrace, and then they kind of sway dance. But I was like, oh my God, are they gonna kiss and have sex? Cause that would be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God they didn't. But they were they talked about it. They were considering doing that, apparently, the movie makers. And they're like, no, that'd be weird because it's it's Otome Brown's body. Yes. I mean, well, how would like the equipment even work? Oh. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that I think there's a world, Aaron and I, my husband and I were talking about this, of how like the just even the dance scene, if there was like even one moment where they just shot like a realistic scene of Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore slow dancing together. I kind of wondered yeah. too, but it would have taken us out of the sweetness yes. of it, I think. But would have been a great yeah. SNL skit. Like, yes. Truly. It, it yes. So great. But I uh, I mean, it is such a sweet scene. And I, I feel so sorry for both of them when I watch it, because kind of going back to the point I made earlier about like how the kind of like actualization of the depth of their love i think it's it, it's gotta hurt so bad like this sting of you're you're there like you are physically there you're watching them you're listening to them you're kind of taking them in but you cannot touch them and they cannot see you and that just has to be so painful and i think i i couldn't even imagine i mean thinking about it too much could get you emotional so i think oh, sure. i totally appreciate the payoff that they were going for for that scene mm-hmm. yeah we, we get the foreshadowing with Orlando possessing Oda yeah. and, and then he says, it really takes it out of me. So my immediate thought and same with my wife's was, can't you wait 30 minutes for the guy that's coming to kill you? Save your strength. You, you observe this, save your strength and fight this guy off. And then you can have your dance. I guess you couldn't. Like if the guy goes away, you go, yeah. you're escorted to heaven, but. I don't know. You take your chances, I suppose. Yeah. But it it did work out that he's like, what's happening to me? Like, he's too weak to. But he's also like losing his ghostness. 
It was interesting, but I, I thought the same thing, Chad. <laughs> just just wait. <laughs> Give it a sec. I didn't realize this, but AFI has all their lists of things. And this was in the top 100 greatest love story movies. Oh, nice. And deserves it, And Unchained Melody, which is, I mean, this movie researched that song, I believe. And it mm -hmm. is amazing. It's also in the AFI's top 100 greatest music in the movies. We have a love-hate with AFI, but Do, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I agree with them here. And it was the most rented video cassette. Remember VHS, anyone? <laughs> oh my goodness, of Absolutely. course. In 1991, it was the most rented uh, video cassette. Oh, nice. Everybody on their date night. Right, Chad? I oh, mean... Oh, I, I remember this playing TBS. The, it was the clay scene with that song, Unchained Melody, as the preview for Ghost. Like, I remember the introduction to TV and it would just play over and over. That's a huge part of my childhood is remembering that commercial. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they really had to sell a whole lot. That scene in a preview and then two gorgeous people. Yes, mm -hmm. please. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Apparently, Patrick Swayze really pushed for Whoopi Goldberg to be in this because it was originally not not written with her in mind but he convinced the pr producers that she would be right for the part and some of the other people let's see i love all of these ca alternative casting it was verbally offered to jackie harry you guys know who she is she was in 227 don't you know her no. you know her she also i think was in sister sister wait really i think so like tia and tamara the mom Yes. Maybe. Okay. I know exactly okay. who you're talking about now. And it, yes. It's like, but in 227, the part she played was just, I, it's uh, amazing. But yeah, Jack Hay. Okay. Um, yes. So she had verbally accepted it. But then at the last minute, Whoopi Goldwork was actually available. And so they're like, okay, we want Whoopi. Other people who auditioned, Patti LaBelle, mm. Oprah. I like it. Really? Yeah, well, because they did the color purple together, right? Yeah, um, they did. Yeah, and Tina Turner, Ooh. and they actually mentioned Tina Turner in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you guys have any guesses for who they had also in mind for Molly? Was Julia Roberts in the running at all? Just being that the time frame, I would imagine maybe. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like everyone. Yes, Julia Roberts was so Nicole. Kidman auditioned. They loved her tape, oh, but no. they wanted, they really wanted someone more well known. So they, Days of Thunder, as we talked about, came out in this month as well. She took that. So the studio really liked her. So they cast her in that instead of this. What's what happened mm -hmm. with Nicole Kidman? But then others were Julia Roberts, Kim Basinger, Gina Davis would have been good. Ooh, I like her. I like her a lot. Yeah. Helen Hunt, Jennifer Jason Lee, Andy McDowell. I can see oh, that. I love her. Madonna. Madonna. No. I, I no. love Madonna, but I don't, I can't see that. She's not Mich charming. I hate saying that. I mean, I'm not, no offense to anybody that loves Madonna, but Madonna is, she's, she's not, she doesn't have like a, she doesn't have the, the, the X factor that like Julia Roberts mm -hmm. and Demi Moore have where it's like this almost kind of girl next door charm. She just doesn't have it. Right. Yeah. She has it. She's charming in a different way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Also, Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Molly Ringwald. I feel like she would have maybe been young. Mm. Meg Ryan. To your to your point, Claudia. Mary Steenburgen or Bergen. Is it Bergen or Bergen? Anyway. I don't know. Kathleen Turner and Deborah Winger. I can see Deborah Winger. Maybe. But yeah, like basically all females of a certain age in Hollywood. Yes. I like Andy McDowell. I love her. She was just excellent in Groundhog Day. And I love I love her so much. She's she's fantastic. She's so charming. I really like her too. And especially now, she's one of the few that in Hollywood that is attempting to somewhat age gracefully. Yes. And kind of speaks out about it. Anyway, her performance in Michael, I think, would have been a good kind of transition for mm-hmm. this because she was, I, I mean, she wasn't movie. an artist. She was kind of like a like a sweet little Southern belle who loved to mm-hmm. sing about pie. But I think she, um, but I think that there was just kind of this, I think her attraction to Michael in that movie, I think, could have really translated mm-hmm. to the love connection between Sam and Molly. I, think she I can done see that. job. But I do love, I love Demi Moore. I think she does a, a great job. Yeah, she's good. I I am partial to Gina Davis. I really like her, but she's super tall. And sometimes that's hard with a lot of these leading men are not mm-hmm. super tall. Right. So. Yeah. Nicole Kidman's the same story. Yeah. Yeah. Although that's a good point. I, I always kind of find her icy. Oh, very. Like I can't, very. I, agree. I can't find that chemistry same I, with michelle pfeiffer she was the yeah. another person that i thought of when uh, I, I see is a good way to put it that's it is. same kind of thing as madonna like almost like putting them all in the same category is they don't have that um there's not like a softness soft. to them yeah. yeah yeah agreed agreed in sort of in the same way like basically all the it people in hollywood all it men at the time were up for the role of sam Offered but turned down Kevin Bacon, which I can kind of mm. see that. Because, like yeah, him. Alec Baldwin, absolutely not. No. 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 He's icy. He's like the male Agreed. version of He icy. cannot be in love. It's not, I don't buy it. No, I don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage, and I am sorry, I just do not like him at all. Like for I anything. Do. I do. I do. No, thank him. you. I, I don't want to. I'm so I'm sorry. So relieved to find somebody else that no, can't stand I like him. It. I cannot stand him. I was so excited to see the Renfield trailer. Like, uh, there's this this guy who works for a vampire, and he's he's just so worn down by his boss. And the whole movie looks absolutely amazing. And then they do this big reveal of who the vampire is, and it's Nicolas Cage. I was in the theater, and I literally went, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> oh. He's the best part of that movie. Oh, we've got a fan yeah. over here, me. I, He's okay. I am a huge Nicolas Cage yeah. fan, but he would ruin this movie. Okay. All right. Um, they tried putting Kevin him Costner in also, Family no. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Tom Cruise, no. Hmm. Do you guys see Tom Cruise? He's in one. This? I don't feel like he has chemistry with any of his female stars. No, That's like the weird he, thing. He, he did, yeah, because yeah, he's weird like that. Um, <laughs> Johnny Depp, I can totally see Johnny Depp. I could see Johnny Depp. I could see him doing it. He he always did a great job when he was working opposite. Like he's he's able to have chemistry with late with the ladies. David Duchovny, yes. maybe actually when was X Files? I, like I feel like maybe he wasn't a big enough name. I like him. I think he probably would have been yeah. good. But 
also Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Tom Hanks, Paul Hogan, Kevin Klein, Dennis Quaid, Mickey Rourke, John Travolta. I don't think any of them are good looking enough. I think this person needs to be really good looking. Yeah. I think Harrison Ford probably could hit the hit the mark in in the looks and in the acting chops. I love him so much, but he Yeah, maybe wouldn't he have been a little Might have been a little old. I'm yeah. trying to think of when Yeah, he would have been a little old cuz when he was in like you know, his Indiana Jones and Star Wars mm-hmm. days, I mean, those were in like the 70s and 80s, so he would have been kind of probably aging out mm-hmm. of this by 90. I but I I do love him though, and he kind of almost has that same kind of like stance as Kurt Russell and Patrick yeah. Swayze a little bit. But yeah, it's Swayze. I mean, that's really I know. Yeah. Also, Demi Moore's actual husband at the time, Bruce Willis, was considered. Yeah, but I forgot about him. <laughs> he turned it down because he didn't think the film would work. I think they all went into this thinking it was a big gamble, and it did pay off. But I think a lot of those. Famous people were like, what this? What is this that you want me to be in? You know? And- yeah, it's hard to define genres. Like, at points, it's being a comedy. At points, it's being romance. It's got a little bit of horror element to it. It's got a little bit of mystery. Yeah. It. So, yeah, I could I could imagine reading this and saying, yeah, I'll do it for the paycheck. Yeah. But it's not going anywhere. And then the role of Willie Lopez. Do you guys know who Luis Guzman is? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I do. Even yeah. if you you would know him, Lizzie, I feel like you know him. I'm trying to what what, what would he what would she know him from? But have you seen the movie Waiting? Yes, absolutely. He's no. he's, the, he's the bat. No, he's the bat guy. Like all the grown goat. up. Yes. Stop that! <laughs> oh my gosh, he's so young and looks so different. Stop it! Well, I haven't seen that movie, so he's that's he a amazing. That just rocked my it? world. He was up for the role of Willie Lopez, and in a documentary focused on character as- actors he said that he was frequent frequently stopped by fans of the movie who think that he's willie lopez they think he's um what's his name rick aviles 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 okay anyway he's like no because people are like mad at him they're like you're the guy who killed patrick swayze and he's like Aww. no it wasn't me yeah luis guzman is a lot shorter oh yeah then yeah that's true the guy who played him was fairly tall it, it appeared anyway I like the stories that Tony Goldwyn tells about Wait Daff hating him, and they couldn't figure out why until they asked if he was an actor. And he said, yeah. And they're like, that's why I hate you. Stop. You were the sleazeball. Yeah. I, yeah. Lo- I really love him, though. He was the voice of Tarzan in the Disney movie. And I... Was he? Yes. I love his voice. He has a buttery, and he was also Casanova, the voice of... I think the ca- the voice of Casanova in oh, okay. Kiss the Girls. Kiss the Girls. He has a really oh. buttery voice that I okay. enjoy so much. So even though he is evil and slimy in this movie, I still like he's very likable to me. I I could like he should be doing ASMR. Like he has like an unbelievable voice. I love it. Maybe so, he does. So much. Yeah, he I might. don't yeah, like massively know. dislike him. I I do like him as an actor as well. Uh, so the screenwriter, the ditto thing is a big part of Ghost. Like it's kind of what it's, it's known for the pottery scene and ditto, I feel like. <laughs> and the writer, the screenwriter, Ruben, Bruce Joel Ruben, apparently where that came from is that he used to say ditto 
to his high school girlfriend instead Aww. of I love you. So I thought that was a cute little tidbit from his real life that he put in the movie. That is cute. No. I that. Yeah, but note that it wasn't his wife. Good point. That's right. You That's said. right. Yeah. It was high school. I don't know. Ditto um, is kind of like the equivalent of like when someone says, I love you, you too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you got to man up and say, I love you. Same. Yeah. Like nowadays it would be same. Same. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not Harrison Ford. You cannot say, I know. Oh my gosh. Ugh, I will never <laughs> forget how mad I was the first time I saw that. Also, Ruben wanted Patrick to play Sam Wheat after he saw an interview that Swayze gave. I'm in love with Swayze, like, so hard. Okay, so he did this interview, and it, I also read his book where he talks a lot about his, his dad dying had a big effect on him. So he was talking about this in an interview, and he became really emotional and started to weep, Patrick Swayze, oh, in, this, in this interview. So Ruben saw the interview, and he was like, well, if a macho guy like Swayze can cry over a loved one, he's the perfect person for this movie. So apparently that's how Swayze got cast. Yeah, I'm glad he did. Mm -hmm. I mean, he does, he's obviously cast for his looks, but he does bring this kind of vulnerable sensitivity with him. It's really hard to do for some of those other names. It's hard to be attractive and not cocky about it. He doesn't come off as cocky and knows it. Yeah. Well said. It's extremely, yeah, he's a very humble dude and he has all of the talent to not be, but he, he is, he's like a good human. As we say, yes. Swayze was actually so interestingly enough, I'm, I'm referencing the thing episode a lot because my guest had brought up that he had heard Swayze being used as a slang term. But in that episode, it, what it meant was like just uber cool, just like, oh, you're so Swayze. But I was reading about in New York City in the 90s, Swayze was used as a slang term for like disapp leaving, disappearing, like ghosting. Oh. Oh, I didn't you even know? think about that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm gonna Swayze. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna Swayze. Notorious B.I.G. was one artist who was especially fond of using it. And oh Swayze was in the video in Ja Rule's video, Murder Reigns. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know I that. didn't either. Nice. Ghost. <laughs> I love it so much. It, so Ghost is an interesting genre mashup of romance, mystery, paranormal, and even great comedy. And it's a fun time of year to be revisiting this particular Swayze movie and the start of a new decade, 1990. But we must now return to the present day reality until the next Retromade episode. Chat. Lizzie, it was such a pleasure having you guys join me for this particular trip down memory lane. Do you have any closing thoughts on the movie? And then also, please be sure to tell us where we can find you. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And I'm in the same boat that you are. I mean, a lot of uh, the podcasters that we meet, the, the hosts, the other amazing co-hosts of Retro Movie Roundtable, and then the majority of our guests are men. So it's so nice to banter back and forth with, right? a, fellow, <laughs> with a fellow woman. So this was so fun, especially a big Swayze fan. Mm -hmm. This movie is just a classic, honestly. It never gets old. I think that this will go down in time. It's just one of those disruptors that really earned its right to stand still. And I, I just, I love it. I had just as much fun rewatching it as I did the first time. And I'm just excited that we got the chance to talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to be invited to the Girls Club here. Yes. 
I, I, I like hearing that perspective. Honestly, having Lizzie on our show has been so fantastic because of, otherwise we were doing how to lose a guy in 10 days with three guys. And I, I was the one defending it, but it felt miserable. Uh, Katie, we've loved having you as a guest, bringing that perspective. We love having the female perspective because things get brought up that just don't occur to us. Mm -hmm. This movie, I love it. It's an, like I said, it was the first romance movie that I think I can remember watching and getting to show it to my wife. That was special. It was a nice date night. So it's, it's always fun when I get to bring a romance movie to my wife because she's yeah. seen a lot and to get, watch her with that iconic scene. She's not taking up pottery anytime soon. She is, <laughs> she is a, this is messy. I don't feel clean. But yeah, I, I love talking movies and it's fun getting this perspective as opposed to when we do something like crank. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And thank you all for listening or watching on YouTube. If you're loving Retromade, show some love by rating and reviewing the show. It's your ticket to keeping that nostalgia alive. Until next time, be kind. Rewind.